Imagine what it would be like if your pastor's life was in danger each time he traveled to church. That's what some pastors face in northern Cameroon, where the militant group Boko Haram is gaining influence. Jeremy Malkin was in Cameroon encouraging some pastors. One of them got on a motorcycle to head toward the village where his church was located. Jeremy asked if he could go along. And straight face, he said, sure, you could come with me. I'd be happy to take you. But you realize I can't guarantee your safety. And there's a good possibility we won't be coming home. Uh, And for me, it was just the reality of understanding this is what they face with on a daily basis. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in the studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. We have done some distance interviews over the last couple of weeks, but we are in the studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and thankful to be here. My guest this week is Jeremy Malkin. Jeremy is the Deputy Regional Director for Africa for The Voice of the Martyrs, so he helps to oversee all of our VOM projects, all of our work assisting persecuted Christians in Africa. Jeremy, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you so much, Todd. Wonderful to be here. Right now, the overwhelming concern, it seems like, in the whole world is coronavirus. How is it affecting Africa? Well, my family and I live in Africa, and it it seems to be a bit delayed from what we've experienced here in the States as, you know, even reaching the States was delayed from what they experienced in Italy and, of course, in China. A lot of African countries are taking some pretty uh, strict, maybe at times severe measures in trying to prevent the virus and spreading. One of the first steps that was taken was closing the borders. Um, In the country where I live, they closed the borders probably, well, almost two months ago now, where they stopped all air traffic, I think almost every African nation at this point um, no longer allows flights in or out of their countries. There's a lot of fear because it's such a communal society that the virus can spread rampantly once it enters the country. So they try to prevent foreigners from coming in. And of course, you have a lack of healthcare um, systems in place and ventilators in place to be able to treat uh, those that contract the virus. There's a lot, like everywhere in the world, there's, there's unknowns. Um, we don't know uh, what direction things will go in Africa. We're very hopeful to begin traveling throughout the region without being routinely quarantined soon within the next couple months. But, but the reality is uh, we may not be able to travel all that extensively until the year's end. It remains to be seen. So just so our listeners understand, with with the travel restrictions, and and travel is a huge part of somebody like Jeremy's job. He's spending uh, 90 to 100 nights a year out in the field meeting with persecuted Christians. But, you know, because of what's going on right now, we're looking at it. You know, a one-week trip becomes a five-week trip because you've got a 14-day quarantine once you get in country. Then you've got a 14-day quarantine when you leave. 
how is that affecting the ability to travel and really to get out and, and see the people that we work for around the world? Well, for for Africa, right now, it, most of the borders are closed, as I said, so it, it's, it is difficult at this time. But one of the things which is a really core to who VOM is as a ministry, which is always an encouragement to me, is they will say, look, don't take any unnecessary risks, but take every necessary risk, meaning that despite the inconveniences, uh, despite even potential sacrifices of getting to these places— if our brothers and sisters in Christ are being persecuted to serve the, the local church, uh, we will take those risks and we'll take that extra time, of course, uh, to be there with them. And there, there is going to be a point, I think, where we're going to need to get back to the field again, because that's, that's what VOM is called to as a ministry. And that's what we're called to being with this ministry is it, it may happen before the rest of the world starts opening up, but, but we can't be sitting stagnant long. There are needs, and of course, God's going to provide for those needs. But as as persecution occurs, uh, we want to be there with them. So we'll get back as soon as we possibly can. You've sort of seen that risk factor up close and personal because your former boss, Peter Yasek, was arrested in Sudan and ended up spending 14 months in prison. We're going to have Peter with us next week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. He's got a new book that's ready to come out talking about his story of being arrested and held in Sudan. So we can look forward to that next week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Did watching Peter and watching his family go through that affect at all how you did it? Did it encourage you? Did it make you more bold? Or or how how did you respond to watching his suffering and and how you think about the risk of of the work that we do. Yeah, well, I mean, watching Peter and being with his family through that situation definitely had a huge impact in my life. But his his situation is is one of many that I've seen on the field. I mean, we've we've had friends that have been killed in these countries where we serve. We've we've traveled to war zones. We've We've seen things up close. We've been, you know, have held hands with those who have been severely persecuted at in hospital beds or whatever the case may be. I think entering this type of ministry, we know what God has called us to. There's not a situation in my life that has changed uh, my perspective on that. In fact, more so watching Peter and the joy he's had throughout his experience and being with those believers who are being persecuted, or the faith or the testimonies of those who have even been killed on the field that we've gotten to know, has only encouraged me um, to see uh, what God can do, that God is in control, that, that His will is being accomplished throughout these countries, and and we're just a small part in that. So I, that joy that you see in those believers is infectious, and there's there's really you know at least for me nothing else I would rather do than to be there in their midst despite the risks. And that ties right in. We're going to talk about Nigeria. I know I got a picture this week of one of our local staff in Nigeria uh, with a mask on to protect against the virus, but still out delivering aid to Christians who had just been the victims of an attack and encouraging them, praying with them, delivering help to them with a mask on in the midst of the virus. So as you say, our our work certainly goes on. 
it would be nice, Jeremy, to think that that the coronavirus and people staying in their houses uh, limited the amount of Christian persecution uh, in a place like Nigeria. The reality is that hasn't happened. And, and I mean, it seems like the attacks have been very steady the last two months, week after week after week, another attack, another attack, more people killed, more houses burned. What's going on in northern Nigeria as it relates to these attacks? And, and maybe why hasn't the virus slowed them down? Yes, there there has been a, a countrywide lockdown, which has resulted in roads between states being closed, people being required to stay in their homes most days of the week. Um, but yet that has not stopped militants from continuing to, uh, to attack villages, predominantly Christian villages throughout the north. In fact, our team on the ground in the country has documented more than 15 attacks on Christian towns and villages since January 8th. For example, one of the attacks, more recent ones, happened on May 5th when a home was invaded by eight militants, armed militants within the Fulani tribe. A church leader, his wife, and two children were were shot and thankfully survived the attack. But but that's an example of what's been occurring routinely uh, for Christians in the north of the country. In total, during that period, over 104, at least 104 people predominantly Christians, have been killed. And these are attacks where, in some ways, you could say COVID has made the people more vulnerable in the sense that they've had to stay indoors, Um, that in many ways they're sitting ducks. And the militants come in oftentimes uh, late at night at odd hours when people would be sleeping and start shooting or worse, using machetes and attacking homes, burning down homes, targeting churches, and killing anybody who they find in their homes often. This family that was attacked was a pastor. It seems like that's not uncommon. It's not just like general violence, like pastors literally are being targeted in these attacks. Yeah, I you know, it's common knowledge in these villages that are attacked um, who the pastors and the leaders within the churches are. This particular man that I mentioned was a leader within a local ministry there as well. So not only a leader within his church, but but someone that was very active in in helping those who were victims of violence such as this. So hearsay, they find out who these leaders are. They go after them specifically to their homes, target them often targeting the churches. Um, So these are, yes, these are very coordinated, targeted attacks against church leaders. Let's talk a little bit about the Fulani. When when we read about these kind of attacks in kind of the general media, it talks about Fulani herdsmen. It really kind of presents it as, you know, it's cattle herders versus farmers, and it's all about land rights. And no, it's not about Christianity versus Islam. It's not about religious, you know, talk a little bit, kind of help us understand what's really going on. Because there is an element of that, certainly. But when we talk about pastors being targeted, that's not about land rights. That's about the fact that this was a pastor. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, back in the day when I first joined VOM, it, it seemed to be very much about land rights and, and cattle rearing and, and all of that. And now these attacks are very, very targeted on Christian villages. I mean, attack after attack after attack is, is against Christian communities. And there's no other explanation to that 
than it is outright persecution and it's an Islamic agenda to conquer these areas. Now, when you talk to victims of these attacks or those who have fled, they'll often tell you that these these Fulani, although a nomadic tribe in general that are often immigrating from one region to another, but but oftentimes they're not even local in that sense where they don't recognize the dialect that's being spoken or they question where they could have received the weapon weaponry that they that they were using against the village. So there are definitely outside influences involved and there's been ties to other militant groups including Boko Haram of arming the Fulani and and encouraging these types of attacks. So there there's a larger uh, agenda involved uh, which is ultimately the influence of Islam spreading throughout the north of the country. I know one of the cases earlier this year that got a lot of attention was the kidnapping of a pastor, Reverend uh, Lowen Andimi. His case was made widely known primarily because uh, the captors shot a video of him to prove that they had him, uh, but he really turned that video into an amazing testimony for Christ. Can you can you talk a little bit about his story and uh, why it is such an inspiration? Yes, it, uh, Pastor Lowen Ndimi was a known figure within Nigeria, and and so because of that, it gained a lot of um, media attention throughout the country, and I, I I think that was encouraging because there were so many witnesses to the testimony that he had. He was a pastor from a town called Mishika in Adamawa State, and this is an area that has repeatedly been attacked by Boko Haram. Many, many Christians have been killed there over the years. Uh, Mishika is, is not a new area to those who know Nigeria well. And he was a representative of the Christian Association in the country, as well as a pastor of a local church in Mishika. So he was he was well known. And despite those repeated attacks, he, he stayed. He could have easily fled to um, one of the cities and represented his people from, from that city. But, but he was in and out of Mishika. He lived there most of the time. And on January 3rd, he was abducted by Boko Haram in Mishika. For several days, people had no idea where he went, what had happened. But on, on January 7th, uh, Boko Haram released a video with Pastor Lowen and basically as a hostage with their flag in the back. And as you can imagine, it, it raised a lot of concerns and fears. But what, what was so amazing was the platform that, that Pastor Lohan had in that video to really just, just show the peace that he had in Christ. In the video, he said, you know, by the grace of God, I will be together again with my wife, my children, and my colleagues. But if the opportunity has not been granted, maybe it is the will of God. So be patient, don't cry, don't worry, but thank God for everything. So there, there was this sense of calmness that you could sense in that video, even that his family sensed when they saw that, and knowing that, that he was at peace and within God's will, whatever may come. And sadly, I mean, horrifically, on January 21st, um, he was beheaded. And from reports that we had heard, the ransom was actually paid by the Christian Association to get him released, but Boko Haram didn't accept it, decided to kill him anyway. Um, but what a testimony. Pretty amazing. 
he turned his proof of life hostage video into a testimony mm-hmm. for Christ. That, that's, I mean, that's pretty <laughs> mind blowing. And not only was it seen all over Nigeria, it was seen all over the world. Um, so his testimony went literally around the world uh, because God was with him in that situation and was able to allow him to be encouraged, allow him not to be defeated and downtrodden, but to say, hey, this is the will of God, and, and I'm I'm his servant, so I'll, I'll happily accept his will. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Jeremy Malkin. He is the Deputy Regional Director for Africa here at the Voice of the Martyrs. Jeremy, we talk about the Fulani uh, attacking Christian villages and targeting pastors and targeting Christians, but there's also some really good news about the Fulani. God, God is doing some great things among Fulani people. Talk a little bit about that. Tens of thousands of audio Bibles are being distributed among the Fulani and across the Sahel. And wow. it's And I, I show up in some of the remote, most remote areas— um, small towns or villages in some of these these places, and I find a Fulani believer discipling others using an audio Bible. And again, we use oftentimes audio Bibles are effective in in that setting because you're talking about an illiterate people group. So, but here they are using the audio Bible in their native language um, that they somehow got you know from. Hundreds of miles away, <laughs> a friend who knows? of a friend of a friend <laughs> no. of, of a cousin. Of <laughs> it's it's just incredible, and through that, many Fulani are coming to faith. And there's in certain countries, there's actually um, Bible schools and church planting schools that are specifically uh, working among the Fulani and sending them out as pastors and evangelists. And we we see many people coming to the Lord. So. so I encourage our listeners, as you hear about attacks by radical Muslims from within the Fulani tribe, uh, don't don't forget God is doing some amazing things within the Fulani tribe and leading many Fulani to faith in him. Jeremy, let's talk a little bit about some of the surrounding countries. And I know northern Cameroon, there's kind of we're going to break some news on Voice of the Martyrs Radio this week. Um, northern Cameroon is going to be on our prayer map, uh, which is the prayer map of, of all the countries where Christians are routinely persecuted. Talk about that decision. Why northern Cameroon? What's happening there? Why does it rise to the level of saying, hey, this is a country that we need to have on our map? Well, the reason for that is really the the same attacks that have um, struck Christians in northeastern Nigeria under Boko, Boko Haram's influence um, is occurring in in a fairly uh, centralized region in northern Cameroon as well. Is, Boko, it, is it the same people? I mean, is it Boko Haram coming across that border and, and now causing trouble in another country? It is. Yeah, in fact, Boko Haram has infiltrated the borders between Nigeria and Niger, Chad, and Cameroon. And there's been attacks in all of, all of those countries as well by Boko Haram uh, for several years now. And many, it's been many, many years where we've heard of many Nigerian refugees, especially amongst Christians from Christian villages that have been attacked by Boko Haram, fleeing into Cameroon because Cameroon is still a predominantly Christian country. Um, so you, even today, you still have a number of Nigerian refugees within Cameroon 
But over the past couple of years, you, you see uh, Boko Haram also crossing the border into Cameroon and attacking Cameroonian churches. Um, and of course, some of those attacks can be against Nigerian refugees as well, who have already fled one, right. one situation only to enter another. But the majority within Cameroon are actually Cameroonian churches. And again, a centralized area. In, in some aspects, it's similar to Nigeria, where you have a predominantly Christian South, but yet you still have churches in the North who remain there and are doing everything they can to, to help the Christians who have fled from these attacks uh, to assist the situation. The pastors are often sought out, um, specifically targeted because of their role within the church. So it may be necessary for them to go a little distance away uh, for the protection of their family, but they're but they're going back routinely. Right. So when I when I was with them on this trip, they were getting on their motorcycle ready to go back to the village, and I asked if I could hop on the back of his bike and go with them. And straight face, he said, "Sure, you could come with me. I'd be happy to take you." But you realize I can't guarantee your safety, and there's a good possibility we won't be coming home. Uh, and for me, it was just the reality of understanding this is what they face with on a daily basis. Right. They don't know if they're ever going to come Sunday back Every Sunday when their... they go to lead the service, they know this This might be my last they service. They may not come back. But yet that's that's where they're ministering. That's where God has called them, and, and they continue to return. Jeremy, as we finish up, we like to equip our listeners to pray. And so I want I want you to help us pray. Let's talk about northern Cameroon. Let's talk about Nigeria. How can our listeners pray for the brothers and sisters in those places, making those courageous decisions to stay and minister this week in those hard places? One one thing that we can be in prayer for are our teams in Nigeria. With COVID, of course, there's unique challenges in how to respond to the situations that are taking place, but yet their commitment is, is incredible. And it's not only incredible for me, for us, VOM, to witness how they're serving, but it's incredible for the communities that they're serving in, that amidst all the fear due to COVID, they're out there in the villages, they're still distributing relief, they're taking every opportunity they possibly can to serve the church, to minister to those in need. A big part of our ministry, a unique part of our ministry in Nigeria is caring for widows. And these are women with untold stories of trauma, where their husbands were killed oftentimes in front of them, oftentimes brutally uh, for refusing to renounce Christ. They witnessed that, and as a result, they've had to relocate to another area um, because of Boko Haram's presence or whatever the case may be. And going to a new area, they're often isolated. They have to get intertwined with a new community. And COVID just escalates all of that. Now they're forced to stay indoors. That fellowship may be gone, but our teams, our ministry to them is not only providing for their physical well-being, but their spiritual care, their, their emotional care. And so as our teams continue to see them on a weekly basis and to encourage them, um, I would just pray for, for the widows in particular and as our teammates um, that they would have wisdom in, in how to speak into their lives and to encourage them in the word and support them. 
Jeremy, thank you for helping us understand what's going on in, in Africa, particularly in Nigeria. Thank you for your work, your willingness uh, to go to these villages uh, at the end of the road and to meet with these pastors. Uh, and thanks for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you so much, Todd. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. As always, if you're just joining us and you want to hear this entire conversation again, you can go to vomradio.net. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, Jeremy's boss, Sean, on talking about Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso is another country that's going to be added to our prayer map next year. So you can go online and hear that conversation. You can also find it in our podcast stream. And I hope you'll be back with us next week. We are going to have Peter Yasek, who was held in Sudan, actually formerly Jeremy's boss, formerly the regional director for Africa, uh, held in Sudan for 14 months we're going to talk about his new book that is coming out, telling his story, telling the story of God's faithfulness to him during those long months in prison. So you won't want to miss that conversation. I hope you'll be back with us next week as we spend time with Peter Yasek and, again, learn how we can pray, learn how God is at work around the world right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. <laughs>